On today's podcast, I'm joined by self-proclaimed gut nerd, Vanus Kalami. She's a clinical nutritionist, and she's here today to explain how children's gut health affects all aspects of their lives and to give us some suggestions for how to maintain a happy and healthy gut in our kids. This is Health Talks from Stanford Medicine Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. Venus, it's so great to have you back on. We've spoken a couple of times, so great to hear your voice today. And we're going to talk about gut health. So as we get going here, how does gut health affect overall health? You know, what doesn't it affect? I personally think that our gut health affects all parts of our health, from the gut feelings that we have to processing food, extracting energy, and to our ability just to function and participate in our day-to-day lives. It affects our mood, our well-being, energy, and all of these relationships are bidirectional, meaning that they go both ways. Your mood can impact your gut health, your gut health can impact your mood, and vice versa. So gut health isn't this separate entity that's different from our muscular health or our liver health. It's really intertwined with all of these domains of health beyond just the plug and chug of digestion. So it's really integrated into our system. It communicates with our nervous system, our immune system, and more. And if you can't tell, I think gut health is just the coolest and most exciting topic. (laughs) So I'm thrilled to be here today to talk about this. I've always been a gut nerd since college, and I'm just, you know, chuffed to talk about it today. Yeah, I feel like you should have a t-shirt just says gut nerd right there. Just, you know, I think that seems appropriate. And as my, my kids, yeah, and if my kids were on this podcast, they would tell you, they would echo what you're saying. They would say, you know, oh, dad must be hungry, right? So yeah, as you're saying, sort of our gut health, whatever the situation is with our gut can affect our mood, our physical health, our mental health, all of that. So I totally get being a gut nerd, if you will. I think we've coined a new phrase today. So, so when we think about gut health, Maybe you can explain the differences between good and bad bacteria because, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we only want the good bacteria. Why would we ever want Mm -hmm. bad bacteria? But maybe there's times when we want or need both. So maybe you could explain the differences. Absolutely. Well, I'll start off by giving some context and say that gut microbiome research is still very much in its discovery phase. And when I'm talking about the microbiome, I'm talking about the good and the bad bacteria and sort of the garden of microbes that we house in our gut. We have a lot left to learn, but what the research tells us so far is that having a lot of the good guys and a lot of diversity within the good guys and less of the quote unquote bad guys, that seems to be preferable. That seems to confer some sort of health benefit. And to also further that context, it's not that the bad are completely bad to your point or that the good are completely good. It's really more about striking this balance how exactly that balance should look, we actually don't quite know that yet. And that is a question that gut microbiome researchers are just eagerly pushing away toward to find that answer to get closer to it. I'll also add that the gut microbiome, it goes beyond bacteria. It actually involves things like fungi, like yeast, and even viruses, which I know sounds terrifying, but (laughs) they serve a purpose, I promise. And the analogy I like to paint so that people can really understand the good, the bad, the environment of the gut microbiome is that of a garden. There are flowers, there are plants, there are overgrown weeds. When there's too many overgrown weeds, well, maybe that's kind of analogous to too many bad guys in our gut. So we're trying to find this nice garden with lots of diversity and the right balance of weeds to, you know, preferred plants. So that's what we're working with. 
I can see why balance would be key, right? In, in maybe in all facets of our lives, but especially in our guts. And I'm sure this plays well with children. So what are some of the symptoms parents should be on the lookout for that might signal that their child's gut health needs some attention? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's an actionable one, which I like. So I'll preface this by saying that if you're ever concerned about your child's gut health, you should definitely talk to the pediatrician. And if there's anything that needs a little bit more of a deeper dive, a little bit more loving care and support from a subject matter expert, then a referral to a pediatric GI doctor is a fantastic way to go. It doesn't hurt. Get the referral now. Decide later if you want to go. Referral lists can be really long. So I just want to preface by saying that. In terms of symptoms that you want to be looking out for, they can be ones that are very GI or digestion specific and also a little bit more holistic. So the more specific ones look like reflux, things like maybe excessive and consistent gassiness beyond you know normal gas, bloating, <laughs> <laughs> beyond normal gas keyword. Uh, yeah, beyond brain, normal for say. children, right? Right. So that's exactly. a fine line, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a fine line. And like gas is normal, but we're talking like really stinky, unusual gas or just lots of gas. It just something is really unusual about it. And also things like diarrhea, constipation, abdominal pain, difficulties eating, swallowing, low appetite, and any kind of struggles with growing can be a sign of, of gut health. But like I said earlier, the digestive system is not a separate siloed system. So things like stress and poor sleep or lack of variety in diet, all these things can also impact gut health. So it's important to keep this like holistic perspective about what's going on with your gut in the context of the bigger whole of your life. Yeah. And what are some signs that things are going well? So when we think about the good guys and the bad guys and mm -hmm. striking that balance, how do we know, you know, that things are good? Just like I was talking about the holistic bigger whole of your life, there are many holistic markers of overall gut health. There isn't like one test to tell us like, yes, your gut health gets an A plus right now. We don't have that and we kind of don't need it. I'm sure there's a researcher working on that, but you know, things like having a good appetite, being able to eat and tolerate a variety of foods, pooping regularly without problems, growing and gaining well, having good energy, just a happy and healthy mood, being able to focus. These are all tied into gut health and can be both like short-term and kind of long-term markers of good health and overall health for your child. So, you know, it seems to be news that every time I turn on the TV, practically, I see a commercial for probiotics. So we'll start here. I only sort of loosely understand what probiotics are or what they're for, but something with the gut is my understanding, right? So do you recommend supplements, probiotics, things like that for our children's guts? So everything has a purpose. I am not a dietitian who says do this or do that, but really what is the best fit for a person? First line for me for day-to-day -day life and just general health is actually going toward food to get our probiotic rich things in our diet versus jumping to supplements right off the bat. It helps to take a step back and kind of define what a probiotic is too, like what is it and what are we trying to do? With that, so a probiotic is that good bacteria. Pro kind of means good, biotic means a living organism, a bug. And these are microorganisms that when you give them the right amounts, they give some sort of health benefit to the person receiving them. This can be bacteria, this can be yeast. They impact everybody differently. The nice thing about supplements is that they can be convenient. You take a capsule or a pill or you drink a drink and it gives you that benefit. But we have research that tells us that when we get these probiotics from foods like yogurt and 
kefir and kombucha, and we eat fiber-rich foods that I'll talk about later, that this can actually really help build up the gut microbiome, build up the diversity, and build up the number of those good bacteria. So they're really outnumbering the bad guys. So we're like building up that army of good guys. So it's not to say supplements don't have their purpose. They can, like when you're sick and you had traveler's diarrhea, there's a probiotic supplement that can really help with that. If you have ulcerative colitis, there's a well-studied probiotic supplement called VSL-3 that can also really help with that. So it's not one or the other, but more about context. Yeah, it always seems to come back to that. It always seems to come back to context, right? And um, mm-hmm. I'd never heard that traveler's diarrhea. As always, <laughs> I'm learning so much. From, You're welcome. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, gut nerd, traveler's diarrhea. We've We've covered a lot of ground here today. So let's talk a little bit about lifestyle when it comes to our kids. When it comes to my 14-year-old, she plays multiple sports. She always feels like she's burning the candle on both ends, but she eats a ton and she never seems to run out of energy. My wife and I are incredibly jealous. We refer to her as the robot, you know, because she just <laughs> she just always going, going, eating, playing. But let's talk about this a little bit lifestyle for children in terms of their gut health and whether or not we need to help improve or change their behavior, their lifestyle. So whether that would be more physical activity, of literally playing in the dirt or sort of figuratively, mm-hmm. what can we do in terms of lifestyle? Absolutely. I mean, there's so much that we can do and there's so much that we're already doing. And I think that's where the beauty is that you don't need to, you know, flip your life upside down to all of a sudden support your gut health. Number one thing, whatever it is that you're going to do, build it into your lifestyle make it be a part of the system of your life, not some separate task that you must do that then starts feeling like a chore or a checkbox on the list. So that is number one. Always feel, think about how you're going to fit it into your life. Ways that you can support the gut microbiome that are you know, not food related or supplement related can be things like mindfulness believe it or not, meditation, slowing down and being emotionally and psychologically present. There's research to support that that helps bring down stress in our body. And when that stress is lower, our gut health is functioning better. When we're burning the candle at both ends, which is just like the thing to do for Gen Z and just quite every other generation I'm seeming to find, that is where that can be really helpful. Other things too, like getting outside, gardening, getting dirt underneath your nails, having a dog, Cooking in the kitchen, building skills, and just being really present can be wonderful ways to help support gut health. Sometimes we don't realize this, but the stress of day-to-day life doesn't have to be something crazy or it doesn't have to be like a car crash type of stress, but the day-to-day stress of like, get the trigonometry homework done, get to soccer practice, write this speech, pay the bills, all that kind of stuff can really, you know, pay the bills is for the parents. But for the children, like that's a lot of stress, <laughs> yeah, I was like, actually. Wait, I can do that? I can have my daughter pay the bills? You know awesome. What? Why not? That's good for your gut health. <laughs> <laughs> but these types of things like that go, go, go while you might be enjoying it is creating a very real stress response in our body. And sometimes that can manifest as something that pediatric GI doctors are really familiar with, which is called functional abdominal pain, where you're getting tummy aches because you're just stressed. Yeah. Is there anything that you advise against, whether that's maybe antibiotics, anything like that, that maybe just wouldn't be good for a child's gut? What are your recommendations, basically? Well, if your doctor thinks you need antibiotics and you have concerns around that, I mean, absolutely have that conversation with your doctor. But antibiotics, they do serve a purpose. They do help kill, you know, unfriendly diarrhea-causing bugs, for example, although they serve many other purposes beyond that. 
But if you are taking a course of antibiotics, you can always take it with a probiotic-rich food. So don't feel like that's the end-all be-all. But what I would say is try to avoid the quick fixes, the supplements, the green powders, anything that's overly marketed and seemingly gimmicky. It's not worth your time and it's certainly worth your skepticism because these are not the things that help build in healthy habits that become a part of the system of your life. What I also advise against too is, you know, if you don't like a thing, a practice of food or whatever, don't force it, right? This needs to be enjoyable. You need to like it. It needs to be a thing that you can stick to and feel hopefully excited about doing. If it feels like a chore or something, you need to plug your nose and drink. Uh uh-uh, uh, We're not <laughs> helping ourselves. We need to make it work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I always learn so much when we speak. I love your analogies. It makes me want to be a kid again. And as we wrap up here, let's talk about the sort of the non-diet factors and how they impact gut health. So let's go back over again, whether that's sleep, stress management, those sorts of things. Absolutely. It brings balance. Like we're looking for balance, not just in our gut, but overall in our lifestyles. What's happening in your gut, I think, is a really good reflection of what's happening in your life, too. But to answer your question about the non-diet factors around gut health, things like sleep and stress, one I like to bring up that I don't think we talk about quite enough, but I'm hoping there'll be more interest and attention on, is socioeconomic status. Socioeconomic status, it's the access to resources, access to clean water, regular food, things like that. It's really hard to focus on getting enough probiotics and fiber in your diet when you're worried about when your next meal is coming. And the reason I bring this up is because a very significant amount of people actually face these types of issues, even within the United States, even within the Bay Area, where they're unsure you know, when their next meal is coming. So those types of folks, really benefit from getting connected with social workers and local community resources to help just peel off some of that stress that makes it hard to focus on these long-term health goals like having good gut health and living a healthy lifestyle. We've kind of touched on this, managing stress, slowing down, breathing, some sort of emotional, psychological practice like mindfulness and meditation. That can look different for everyone. For me, it's brewing a cup of tea. It doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged for two hours a day. Those are things that you can do to just slow down. It looks different for anyone. A lot of people say, oh, I like to waste my time doing adult coloring books or reading this book. But if it's time enjoyed, it is not time wasted. And it's a perfect way to unwind from the stress of life. And then some other things too, sleep, awareness around your feelings, enjoyable movement, not forcing yourself to do a crazy CrossFit workout if that's not what you want. But just moving and kind of moving through life in a way that you check in with yourself can really help your gut health because your gut health can be sort of like a vital sign. It tells you, hey, we're kind of overdoing it over here or like this thing is actually stressing me out and I'm going to hurt to let you know, but you're not going to know it's about that thing and you're going to think it's something you ate. So it all comes in together in its own kind of funny but very harmonious way. Yeah, I think we've all been there where you get a little bit of a tummy ache, if you will, and you think, oh boy, yeah, something I ate. But as you say, it really could be the stressors of life. So maintaining that good gut health, that balance, being mindful of things, lifestyle things, sleep, managing our stress, our diet, all of it. It's just such good stuff today. I love speaking with you. Thanks so much. You stay well. You as well. Thank you so much for having me again. And for more information, go to stanfordchildrens.org. And we hope you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. If you did, please share it on your social channels. And be sure to check out the full podcast library for additional topics of interest. 
This is Health Talks from Stanford Medicine Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well, and we'll talk again next time.